I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on. And today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Matthew uh, is located in the Bible, if you have a physical Bible, a book, what I want you to do is open to the table of contents. There you'll find that the Bible is broken up into two main sections, the New and the, or the Old and the New Testament. Now, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. So what I do, go to the table of contents, find the New Testament, Matthew's that first book, flip to that page number, and then flip through until you find chapter nine. Now, if you're in an app, what you're gonna wanna do is pull up the list of books. Matthew is about two thirds of the way down that list. Find Matthew, swing over to chapter nine, and you'll be in the right place. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a difficult but important job. Uh, when I was in high school, m many of my high school years, I worked in a construction uh, company. And one summer, we got a job to build an addition onto this guy's house. Now, this wasn't some ordinary person. This was one of my football coaches. And not just any of my football coaches even, this was one of my favorite, all-time favorite football coaches. And, and so I was excited to go and do this work project at one of my favorite people's houses. But when I got there, I pull up to the house, I go over to the side of the, the building that we're gonna be working on, and my boss is standing there with an air compressor, a chisel gun, and a wheelbarrow. And I thought, what is going on here? And my boss proceeded to uh, explain to me that he wanted me to pull down the entire wall off the side of this house, but that he wanted me to do it brick by brick. And the reason was uh, the brick that was on this coach's house uh, was not being made anymore. And so we needed to save as many of the existing bricks as possible so that the new addition, we could use them in the new addition, and that new addition would, would blend seamlessly into the existing house. It took me three full days in the summer sun chiseling with that air chisel gun uh, to pull all of those bricks off the side of that house. Now, there were times in those three days that I thought, why am I doing this? Uh, why is this important? And I kept thinking back, this is the home. This is the physical house of one of my favorite people. And I want to do a great job for him. I want him to walk away after I've done my work saying he worked hard for my house to look the best it could. And so the job over those three days, actually, it was a grueling job, but it became more and more important to me to do the job right and to do it well. And long story short, I pulled those bricks off that house and he ended up having a beautiful uh, addition built onto his home. And it, it was a great project, but that job was hard, but it was important to him. And because it was important to him, it became important to me. So have you ever had a difficult and important job? Well, we're gonna talk about that today in the passage that we're reading. So take your Bibles or your apps and turn to Matthew chapter nine. We're gonna begin in verse 18. Matthew chapter nine, verse 18. Now, Jesus 
um, has been traveling. He's gone uh, around and he's done a lot of work here and there. He has uh, come back to his area of the country and he has called Matthew, one of his disciples. He's called him to follow him and be one of his followers. And Matthew throws this big, beautiful party, this, this feast for him and invites all of his friends that don't know the Lord. And Jesus gets to speak with them uh, about the Lord and the things of the Lord. Uh, and there's some interactions that take place there. And then after that, Jesus goes and, and does a lot of work. And that's where we're at now. Jesus is going around uh, meeting needs. And so pick up with me in Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. And it says this, While he, meaning Jesus, while he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and just touched the fringe of his garment. For she thought to herself, if I can only touch his garment, I'll be made well. And Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus eventually came to the ruler's house, he saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion. And he said, go away. For the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and he took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all of that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. But Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. <laughs> but they went away and spread his fame through all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. And as Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. A lot of work that Jesus is doing here in Matthew chapter 9. And I want to just kind of recap what has happened. Uh, he's been speaking. Uh, this is in the context of what's taking place with the calling of Matthew. 
He's been speaking, and as he's talking, someone of great importance, the, the translation uses the word ruler, so somebody who is very uh, affluent, very influential, very important, comes to Jesus and says, my daughter has died, but if you come, she can rise. You know, he had faith that Jesus could bring his daughter back from the dead, and Jesus gets up and goes with this man, and as he's traveling, we find from other books of the, the Bible that this woman comes up and she kind of fights her way through the crowd. And other books of the Bible tell us that she reaches out believing that if she just touched his clothing, she'd be healed. Basically, she had some disorder that caused her to bleed and she had been to many doctors um, and healers and nobody could cure her of this. And she reaches out and just touches his cloak and when she touches him, she's healed. And Jesus feels something happening. He, he knows that someone has been healed through his power. And so he stops and he turns and he finds this woman. And he assures her that by her faith, she's been healed. And he continues on and he gets to the house. The girl has passed away. The mourners are there. Uh, they're playing the, the somber funeral music. But Jesus goes in, he sends them out, he goes into the house and he simply takes her by the hand and she wakes up and she stands and she lives. So that's the, the first account then. He's traveling and two blind men are following him. Uh, and we know, for, again, from other books of the New Testament, uh, that as these blind men are following, they're calling out to him to, to be healed. And the people, the crowd that's following him, are kind of putting them down. They're telling them to, 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 to be quiet, but they, they won't be quiet. And when Jesus comes to the place that he was going to, they come in and they're still calling to him. They're still calling for him to heal their blindness. And Jesus looks at them and says, do you believe that I can do this? And they say, yes, we do. And so he says, by your faith, he, he touches them and says, by your faith, you've been healed. And suddenly they can see. Then he, again, he's traveling and there's a man who, because of a demon, he can't speak. And he casts out the demon and immediately the man can begin uh, to speak. And the crowd is just in awe at his power and his authority. But finally, he comes uh, to the last part of Matthew chapter nine. And it says as he's traveling the cities uh, and he's encountering people and healing people and, and doing all of these works and these teachings, it says that he looks at the people and he has compassion for them. His heart hurts for them. And it says in Matthew 9 that it's because they're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't, they don't have spiritual guidance or leadership in their lives. And he's sad because of that. He has compassion for them because of that. But I want you again to look at verses 37 and 38 with me. So Matthew 9, the very end of that, that chapter, it's the last two verses, 37 and 39. It says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see, 
Uh, Jesus uses farming illustrations and parables often. Um, In the society that Jesus traveled and taught in, it was an agricultural society. You know, if if you weren't a, a sheep rancher or a wheat farmer or something along those lines, you knew somebody who was. You agriculture, everybody was connected to agriculture in some way. And so Jesus used these illustrations and these parables often because they connected with people at a high level because everybody grasped agricultural uh, illustrations and parables. And, and we're actually gonna touch on, teach on one of those here in two or three weeks uh, that's a really good one. But he uses these illustrations. In today's passage, he talks about how the Lord is the Lord of this harvest, and a harvest is when you've, you've planted, you've grown whatever crop it is. The harvest is when you come in and you cut those plants or you pull the seeds or whatever it is uh, that, that that plant produces. The harvest is when you, you take uh, whatever it is that that plant has that you need or you want to feed or produce something. And so he's saying that people, that, that people out in the world are ready for Jesus. They're ready to be saved, to be rescued from their sin, but we need people to go out and labor for the Lord of the harvest. And it actually says at the end of verse 38 that it's actually the Lord's harvest that we're working in. The the Lord has already prepared this. We're simply the instruments or the, the, the workers that the Lord uses to go and be put into people's lives to show them that life-changing hope of Jesus. And so Jesus says that there are people out there that need to know about Jesus, that they're ready. The harvest is prepared, it's ripe, it's ready to be picked. And we just need people to go out and do the labor that Jesus has placed in front of them. Now, you wouldn't know it by the way I dress, but I actually grew up on a farm and a ranch uh, up in the Texas Panhandle. Uh, my dad's side of the family has uh, wheat fields and corn and lots of cattle. Uh, and so there were summers that, obviously as a kid, I didn't work as hard as my dad or my uncles or my, my grandfather, but, but we would go out and work And I remember that that was not fun. I I didn't look forward to go out and do the wheat harvest. It was was hard work. It was hot outside. It was quite frankly, it was boring for a, a kid, but it needed to be done. You know, my family made their income off of harvesting wheat and raising cattle. And so the work had to be done. It, it, it had to be labored by someone so that our family could put food on the table. And so there's hard work that's out there to be done. And, and we are called to be the laborers for the Lord, for Jesus. And so Here's my big idea for today. If you watch my messages, most of the time I give a big idea and it's, it's basically a simple statement that, that is the summarization or the, the encapsulation of that day's main idea, the main point of the message. And here is today's big idea. 
If you want to love your neighbor, serve them in Christ-like labor. Let me say that again. If you want to love your neighbor, serve them in Christ-like labor. You see, we don't labor in order to earn our way to heaven. Uh, Let me be very clear. You cannot work or do enough good things or labor enough to earn your way into heaven. The only way to get into heaven, the only way to finding rescue from your sins is to know Jesus as your Savior. That is the only way. So we labor not so that we can get to heaven. We labor so that others can get to heaven. We labor so that other people can know Jesus as their Savior, though the way we know Jesus as our Savior, so that they can be rescued of their sins the same way we have been rescued from our sins. You see, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And let me, let me clarify what that means. Sin is the way that we break God's law. And so if you go uh, here in the United States and you break a law and you get caught breaking a law, there are consequences to breaking laws. Because if you break a law, you're a criminal. Well, spiritually, we have broken God's laws. We deserve some kind of consequence, some kind of punishment for the ways that we've broken God's law. But here's the cool thing. If I go and get a speeding ticket, then I have to stand before the court and I'm going to have to pay a fine. I'm going to have to pay a consequence. I'm going to have to pay a punishment. But spiritually... God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who was God himself. He is, we've got God as a trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father sent God the Son to come to this earth to live a perfect, sinless life. In other words, Jesus did not actually commit any crimes, break any of God's laws. He was sinless. And despite his innocence, at the end of his life, he was hung on a cross. And that death, the shedding of that blood, that was Jesus paying yours and my punishment for the crimes that we've committed, the sins that we've committed. You see, Jesus paid your fine. Jesus paid your punishment. Jesus paid your time. Jesus has paid so that you can be declared innocent spiritually. And when you're declared innocent, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you can be declared innocent and your reward is heaven. Heaven is a place of perfect existence. No pain, no suffering. Uh, Everything's perfect. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. If you know Jesus, it'll be somewhere that's perfect. And so you can know where you're going to go when you die. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross to rescue you from your sins, that he rose from the grave, he died and rose from the grave on the third day, and then... Days later, he ascended into heaven. Right now, 
Jesus sits on a throne in heaven. If you believe that and you're willing to make Jesus your Lord and your rescuer, your savior, then you can be saved. You can have heaven. And if that's you today, here's what I want you to do. You can ignore the rest of the message because I want you right now, if you don't know Jesus or if you've got questions about starting a relationship with Jesus, I want you to right now stop what you're doing. I want you to send me a direct message or send me an email right now and I will email you right back. I will message you right back. I wanna talk with you right now. And so stop what you're doing, send me an email or a direct message, and I would love to answer any questions or guide you through what it means to begin a life-changing relationship with Jesus. But for those of us who do know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we are called to labor for our neighbor. We're called in our love for our neighbor to, it, to serve them in Christ-like labor. And so that is what First Southern exists to do. So, so let me do a recap. You know, if you've been around First Southern for any uh, large amount of time, you know that we have a mission statement and then we have four values that clarify how that mission statement is going to be accomplished. And our mission statement is this, we exist to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. Our church exists to lead people to Jesus, to that life-changing hope that only Jesus can provide. And we do that through the four values uh, that we proclaim. So our four values are believe, grow, connect, and serve. We, we believe that the Bible is the truth and that, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We know that if we believe that God is gonna call us to grow, and that growing means that we're gonna change and we're going to, to become more mature followers of Christ, both in the way we live our lives and in our knowledge and, and across the board. It also means that we're gonna connect. We're gonna connect to God. We're gonna connect to the church family and we're gonna connect to our community. And lastly, what I wanna focus on today, we're gonna serve. That's the fourth of our four values. We serve, we are committed to selflessly serving God and others in the church, community, and world. You see, that's what the end of Matthew chapter 9 is calling us to. Matthew 9 shows us that Jesus has all of the authority in the universe. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. He was proclaiming truth with authority. He did all these things and so much more. But ultimately, if we believe in Jesus, then we exist to labor for his mission. We exist to go and serve God by serving others in, in, in our church, in our community, and around the world. That's why we exist as followers of Jesus. There is nothing more important than leading every generation to that life-changing hope of Jesus, leading them to an eternal existence with God. That's what we exist to do. You can make all the money in the world, you can do all these good things, but all that goes away in eternity. The only thing that will last forever and ever and ever is whether or not you know Jesus 
as your Lord and your Savior, your rescuer. And so that's what we exist to do. You know, last week, I asked you, will you be a part of spreading the gospel of Jesus? The gospel meaning um, that life-changing message of Jesus, the, the, the proclamation that Jesus is the only way to be rescued from your sins. That's what the gospel is. Will you be a part of spreading the gospel of Jesus? And I would uh, change that question a little bit this week to say this, in doing so, in committing to spreading the gospel of Jesus, will you labor out of love for your neighbor? Will you labor so that your neighbor can know Jesus? Because that's what we're on this earth to do. Now, next week, we're going to be covering this uh, for the next few weeks. The, this idea of serving uh, and laboring for Jesus, because that's what the Bible's teaching. As, as we continue on through uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the four biographies of Jesus called the Gospels, as we continue through those four books, the next things that come are all about serving and leading others to Jesus. And so we're going to get more specific next week about how to labor. I'm going to give you some examples and I'm going to give you uh, practical ideas on what you can do to labor for Jesus. I'm going to give you examples of things that you have already done. You, as First Southern uh, attendees, members, watching online, um, I'm going to give you some examples of things that you've done in the midst of this COVID crisis, we've made such a huge difference in our church and in our community. We've met needs, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you with specifics next week. Uh, and this week, here's what I want to do. This is the primer. This is the preparation for the specifics that are gonna come next week. So here's some questions that I want you to think about to prepare your mind and your heart for for the next coming. Uh, teachings from God's word. And it's this, uh, several questions, but here's the first one. I want you to ask yourself if you right now think about this past week or the week before uh, or this month, whatever, but I want you to ask yourself right now in the midst of all that's going on, are you truly laboring for Jesus? In other words, are you truly working, laboring to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. Second question, are you wanting to reap the benefits without submitting to Jesus's lordship over your life? I'll be very frank with you. I think that a lot of people who claim to be Christians that step in to churches and sit in pews when we meet in person or that may be watching online right now, I think a lot of people who think they're Christians are only Christians because they want to reap the benefits. They want that free ticket to heaven, but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to make Jesus truly their master and their Lord. They don't want to live for Jesus. They just want to reap the benefits from Jesus when they die. So which side of that are you on? Third question. Are you only concerned about checking all of the boxes of your religious practices and of gaining theological knowledge? Because following Jesus 
is not about checking off boxes on your religious to-do list. And I addressed this a little bit last week, but we as followers, this is about a relationship with our Savior where we in turn, because of the great gift that he's given us, we in turn go and lead others to our Savior, to our rescuer. And so I think that too many of us get too wrapped up in trying to understand every nuance and theological argument and everything about this book when, yes, we need to know this book, but that's not the primary purpose of following Jesus. And all too many times we get so consumed with head knowledge that we forget what God is trying to do in our hearts and in our actions to lead other hearts to Jesus. So where are you in your relationship with Jesus and in your laboring for Jesus so that others can come to know him? I think that's, those are the questions we need to ask ourselves today in thinking for the message that's coming next week. Here's the thing. Are you truly laboring to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus? And my question is this. If you answer yes to that question, how? How? Are you leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus? What are you doing? Some of you are doing great works for Jesus. But I think a lot of us have also kind of hunkered down in the midst of this COVID crisis, and we don't really know what to do. And that's okay. We're going to talk about that next week. But I want us to take a careful look in the mirror and truly ask ourselves if we are laboring for the Lord of the harvest. Are we doing that hard work? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for how you have rescued us from our sins. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, are thankful for the rescue that you've provided, I pray that we would also recognize that there are those who are not rescued from their sins, not saved from their sins. And Lord, I pray that you would give us, just as Jesus had compassion for the people that he saw, that you would give us compassion for those in our lives. As we interact with others, whether over the phone or online or in person, that you would give us compassion, that we would, quite frankly, that we would hurt for those who don't know you as their Lord and their Savior, their Rescuer. So Lord, give us compassion and help us to understand what you are asking us to do to labor for you. Help us to understand how to love our, love our neighbor in Christ-like labor. Help us to understand what you're calling us to do to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done, <clears throat> for all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do, and how you will glorify your name. Help us to be a part of that. <clears throat> we thank you, and we praise you, and we lift this in Jesus' name. Amen.